This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is Campaign Catch-Up. It's Friday, the 22nd of April. Two weeks into a six-week campaign, opposition leader Anthony Albanese has tested positive for COVID-19. He'll be isolating at his Sydney home for the next seven days. Today, Guardian Australia's political editor, Catherine Murphy, is here to discuss how this will affect the election. But first, here's what happened today. Shadow Minister for Regional Services Jason Clare was in Sydney, fronting Labor's first daily press conference without Albanese. Clare was asked a number of questions about how Albanese's illness would affect Labor's election chances. I see this as an opportunity, though, I've got to say. Because not only have we got a better plan, we've got a better team. And you're going to see more of them over the course of the next week. But I mean Australia seeing more of the Prime Minister. Is that a positive or a negative for your campaign? I think it's a positive for our campaign. The more they see of Scott Morrison, the more they'll realise that this government has run out of puff. I wish Anthony well with his recovery. Prime Minister Scott Morrison was just outside of Brisbane in Ipswich. Um, Having had COVID, Peter's had COVID as well, it can be an unpleasant experience for some. It can be a terribly dangerous experience for others. Um, I hope he has very mild symptoms and I'm sure he will continue to work on in the same way as I did when I was also in isolation, uh, putting the budget together, dealing with the response to Ukraine as a government, chairing cabinet and national security meetings. Um, So I assume he will continue to do that and I wish him well for recovery. He did a blitz of television and radio interviews today, saying that a coalition government would aim to have a registered nurse in aged care homes 24-7 by the end of 2025, compared to Labor's pledge to do this by next year. And for the third day in a row, Morrison was forced to defend Australia's unsuccessful attempt to persuade Solomon Islands against signing a security pact with China. When asked, he wouldn't rule out the possibility that China had bribed Solomon Islands government officials. When you say China doesn't play by our rules, are you saying that China has bribed ministers, uh, people in the Solomon Islands government? We are very well aware of what China has done in many other countries around the world, and we have a very good understanding about how they operate in the Pacific. As Prime Minister, I think what is uh, the best thing for me to say is they don't play by the same rules as transparent liberal democracies. That sounds pretty loaded. It sounds like a yes. Well, it sounds like that they don't play by the same rules as transparent liberal democracies. Morrison did rule out the possibility that China would build a naval base on Solomon Islands as a result of the pact, which Labor's Jason Clare pointed out has been disputed by his own deputy, Nationals leader Barnaby Joyce. Have have a look at what... Scott Morrison said only two days ago, he said, oh, there won't be any military bases here. On the other side, you've got Barnaby Joyce saying that this is Cuban Missile Crisis Mark II. Now, this government is a bin fire on this. You've got one position from Scott Morrison. You've got a totally different position from the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia here. You've got the former Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, saying that this is a failure of foreign policy. You've got the former CDF, Chris Barry, saying exactly the same thing. You've got Julie Bishop. I can't think of anybody on the other side of politics who has spent more time in the national security of Cabinet than Julie, saying that the foreign minister should have been sent there. And at Morrison's daily press conference, almost every question was about Solomon Islands' pact with China. What would Labor have done differently? If they think it's just a matter of making a phone call, that highlights just how little they understand about the complexity and seriousness of these issues. 
Coming up, political editor Catherine Murphy joins me to discuss how the campaign will look with one of the major contenders sick with COVID. Hey, Murph. Hello, Jane. So (laughs) some things have transpired since the last time we spoke. Yeah, I know. I know. It was only like five minutes ago. We were in the world before one of the protagonists in the Australian election got COVID. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, when when we finished up, you said that the campaign was just about to speed up. Get your, yep. get your boots on. After Anzac Day, it's all on and the parties are both finely positioned and yeah. it's tight. Now, Al- Anthony Albanese's tested positive for COVID. He was feeling fine, but I, what is going to happen now? Yes, well, it's the, it's the big question and truth is no one knows. Hmm. There is no way of forecasting what impact this event has on a vote which is still four weeks away. Mm. But look, what I can share, Labor hopes it'll be a net positive. Now, I know a lot of listeners at this point would say, well, this is just spin, right? And it sort of is, but I think there's a logic to it. So if you're Labor at this point and you want the campaign to be a referendum on Scott Morrison, it's actually easier to do that when the Prime Minister is a solo act all around the country. So... A period of time where Albanese is out of sight also gives the Labor leader a break, a a bit of a hiatus from that aggressive performative scrutiny that happens in election campaigns, right? Those negative TV images night after night where voters are beating up the candidates on one issue or another, right? So, I mean, obviously, um, you know, Labor will have spokespeople fielding those queries and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. But Albanese, at this point, is out of that particular crucible. Um, anyway, I, I know you're going to ask me about, well, what are the downside risks, right? You're going to ask, surely you're going to ask me that question. Yes, definitely, Murph. There must be many downsides to this. I mean, Jason Clare has been out Uh, for Labor's first press conference today. And it must be said, he's a much better speaker than Anthony Albanese. And I know other leaders are going to be fronting those press conferences every day from now on until um, Albo's back on his feet. Mm -hmm. But as we've been saying on this show, a lot of undecided voters don't yet know who Anthony Albanese is. So another week of marginal seats being bereft of the face of Anthony Albanese, is that going to perhaps be a danger to his campaign? Of course, mm. yes, and that is that is the principal risk that uh, Labor will be managing over the next seven days. Uh, the Prime Minister is not well liked around the country, but everywhere we've been around the country, voters are saying to us, yeah, I don't really have a fix on Albanese yet. Mm. I don't have a fix on on what the alternate offering is. So, uh, you know, it's it's not great that the candidate uh, is not in their faces for a week or so in at the midpoint of the campaign if you really, really want to lean in and, and get a better impression of him. Uh, and so that's a downside risk that, that an unknown combatant disappears at a critical 
time. Mm. Uh, the other, um, you know, the other risk is that Albanese, after a very shaky start, had sort of got the camp, the Labor campaign, back to a point of equilibrium. And you could see after the debate on Wednesday night, there was this consolidation that was occurring in terms of the campaign messaging and presentation. And momentum in politics is everything. And then he's had this disruption. Obviously, that's not great. But then balancing those two observations sort of back to the first point of potential upsides, bear in mind in Australia, if we look at polls over a long period of time, Australian voters do like politicians that are not in their face. And we have a metric that demonstrates this because pretty much every summer holiday when uh, when leaders disappear in circumstances when there aren't terrible natural disasters, their approval rating improves. Mm. It's 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 a phenomenon in Australia. Mm. So yes, there are very clearly identifiable downside risks, and uh, at his best, Morrison is a formidable campaigner. Mm. So you know, it's it, it's very much swings and roundabouts. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't just affect Labor's campaign. It also affects the way the coalition is going to go about the next week or so. Prime Minister Scott Morrison wished Anthony Albanese a quick recovery, but in his press conference today also managed to sneak in a reference to all of the things that he managed to do while he himself was sick with COVID in the last term of Parliament. What what did you make of that? <laughs> Not that these people are kind of like obsessively competitive or anything. Not that <laughs> Not they're that anyone's counting. You know, like... Not that anyone's counting, <laughs> but you know, sure, I just, you know, swum 38 laps, <laughs> had a fireside chat with Narendra Modi. It just sort of seems like the Prime Minister's challenging the Labour leader to do more in isolation than you might expect. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's sort of, I'm, I'm setting the standard for you, even though yeah. you're unwell at home. And no, no, no. You know. That's that's exactly what he's doing. Mm. That's exactly what he's doing. He's he's trying to sort of create a set of expectations that, uh, you know, sort of it, it it's that whole. It plays to that narrative of uh, that that Morrison's trying to craft against his opponent, which is this guy's weak. This guy's not up to it. This guy's not match fit. This guy uh, doesn't have the required temperament of steel in order to do this job, right? And so if he can use however Albanese's COVID journey goes as part of that backing track, then he will. But I think it is tricky though. I don't I think you can mm. you can you can do that in a in a sort of low-key way, in a nuanced way. But if you come out sort of, you know, just manly mandling it up, yeah. um, then I think I don't know that that plays as a as an absolute plus yeah. for the prime minister, especially for someone who's been accused of having very little empathy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The best case scenario for Morrison is he has a quieter week where he's not constantly being weighted by his own record or by internal strife, and he actually gets a, a clean week to try and change the conversation to the economy, which is what he wants to do, and 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 sort of solidify that conversation over the next week. That's that's the best case scenario. Uh, the the tricky thing for him though is how do you then recalibrate your campaign when you when it's you at an empty chair, right? A series of stand-ins. It's sort of like. Because Scott Morrison is such an aggressive campaigner, is punishing and and remorseless and pitiless, I just think there are a little bit of risk, there's a bit of risk there 
if he doesn't moderate slightly, if he doesn't nuance slightly, because I think Australians fundamentally are really fair-minded people and uh, and it doesn't really seem a fair fight if there's only one guy in the ring boxing at shadows, right? Mm. So I, I just think there is an interesting communications challenge there for the Prime Minister and that will be something we need to watch over the next few days. How does he manage that gear change? That's your campaign catch-up for today. And if you want to hear more from Murph and the politics team this weekend, they'll be answering listeners' political questions on the Australian Politics Podcast on Saturday. All right, polls, guys, do we believe them? (laughs) (laughs) The bit I believe is the 30% of people still undecided or voting for others or independents. And for even more analysis, Guardian Australia's editor Lenore Taylor and head of news Mike Tisher were on the Full Story podcast today where they discussed what happens when baseless claims are injected into an election campaign. I think it was probably sort of strategic misinformation, but it's lodged there now. That figure is lodged there. There are newspaper headlines that can be torn out and put in attack ads later in the campaign. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Our theme music was made by Martin Peralta. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>